Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Good morning and welcome to episode 60 of the Jaguar Report podcast. My name is Gus Logue. I'm joined by my co-host, John Shipley. 6-0, John. <laughs> We've had more episodes in this podcast than the Patriots have scored points this season. <laughs> you were ready for one, huh? Yeah, I was. I was, man. I, I had the fastball ready, man. You, <laughs> you remember when Bill O'Brien interviewed for the Jaguars head coaching job? <laughs> mm. Mm. <laughs> yeah, that's the good stuff, baby. Yeah. Now, six, six of the episodes, man. Whew, we're getting up there. We are. I, uh... I've had a long week because it's my girlfriend's birthday today. So there's been a lot of planning and prep and surprises inbound. So unfortunately, I wasn't able to make a film room on Wednesday this week. But better believe I wasn't going to miss episode 60. Uh, Big game this week against the Colts, I guess. Look at you previewing a Gardner Minshew star on your girlfriend's birthday. (laughs) That's that's, that's commitment to the bit. Maybe that's the reason, honestly, because of who's coming back to town. Oh, God. Yeah, I, I, okay. I completely meant to do this earlier. I haven't yet. I was going to look up career wins by Jaguars quarterbacks and ask Twitter if they were as attached to all the other quarterbacks who won seven games in Jacksonville. Dude, he's six all time in franchise wins for a quarterback. I think he has Trevor, Trevor, Bortles, Garrard, Brunel, Leftwich is probably the only ones in front of him. Yep. I, but, Fans should be just as attached to Quinn Gray as they are to Gardner Minshew. That's 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 my hot take of the week. That's my hot take of the week. Fans are, I don't know. Yeah. All right. Well, let's we'll get to Minshew later when we preview Jags defense yeah. first. Let me off the leash. <laughs> we'll both be getting off the leash later, but uh, we'll start with Jaguars offense versus Colts defense in Week Six, coming off of two straight wins in London. The Jags beat this Colts team in the season opener. Don't have the score in front of me. Do you know it on top of your head? Yeah, 31-21. There you go, 31-21. Uh, it was a little bit of like a sloppy game, just from what I remember off the top of my head, where like there was definitely a lot of mistakes. The two welcome-to-the-league moments from Tank Bigsby obviously come to mind, but they still ended up putting up 31 in Calvin Ridley's first game as a Jaguar. So like, I'm, I'm feeling pretty confident about the Jags' offense this week. How about you? Yeah, well, I mean, like you said, that game against the Colts, like, like the, their offensive numbers, like the EPA and stuff, was killed because Tank had an interception go off his hands, and then mm-hmm. the fumble return for a touchdown. So it was really like a 31-14 game, if like in terms of like how well they actually played, and like it was just one fluky play that got away from them. Mm-hmm. But it definitely felt like kind of a slower start, you know, to the season. I think that the Jaguars offense now is clicking on more cylinders like the last two weeks than they were at any point in the first month of the season. You know, so I I personally expect the offense to be better this week than they were in week one. I mean, just just some like little things like just being more, you know, in sync together as a unit, you know, some of the things that it looked like were wrong in week one, just guys maybe being a little bit out of place, you know, drop passes here and there. It off the top of my head was probably I think Lawrence's second best game this season after the Bills game. Like he made some yeah. insane tight window throws that game. Yeah, it was definitely a really good performance by Lawrence. I would say yeah, I would agree that it was his second best game of the year uh, behind the Buffalo game. Uh, yeah, he should definitely get more help this time around. I mean, Ridley had a pretty nice performance. He had a hundred yard game, but as you said, there was multiple drops. Uh, I definitely think the Jags' passing offense is going to do better this time around, even though they did put up 31, because as you said, they're going to be clicking, if not on all cylinders, on those cylinders. Or if, yeah. yeah. So, like, the Colts' defensive weakness remains outside cornerback, because just like in week one, they're going to be starting two undrafted guys, two undrafted rookies at outside cornerback. Uh, 
they haven't faced like a lot of great passing offenses, but they got torched a little bit by like CJ Stroud and Matt Stafford in recent weeks. Um, I, yeah, the, I remember De, DeAndre Hopkins. It, to my memory, was able to put up some numbers against them too. Like they've they've basically been proven that they struggle against outside guys this year. And Ridley, I want to say he had like eleven or twelve targets in Week One. A lot of them came like in the first half of the game, but like, I think all of them, but one actually. Yeah, so like that—that's where their matchup advantage is this week. Is it's on the outside, Ridley versus whoever. It doesn't look like Zay Jones is going to play this week. So really, I mean, honestly, it wouldn't surprise me if you see Ridley get like 15 targets this week. You know, some, somewhere somewhere along those lines. I, I I think it's it'll be a big week for Ridley, and I think he's playing much better football the last two weeks than he was the first three weeks of the season. Like I, I'm. To me, like he just looks like a guy who's getting, you know, more back into the swing of things, you know, NFL life. And like it, him and Trevor kind of have like a mind melt going on right now. And like they're just, they're like literally like their chemistry through five games has been so wildly impressive. But it also, in my opinion, seems like it's getting a little bit better each game. It's just, it's been dependent on Ridley actually finishing the play. But it feels like Trevor, like they know where each other's going to be, they know how to generate explosive plays and like it, not, not even like even just the completions, like uh, Ridley's drawn four pass interferences already this year. Like Doug said today, he, he hasn't had a receiver do it that often since Torrey Smith in Philadelphia, when he was basically like a go out merchant and people were, you know, committing flags to try to stop the nine balls. But Ridley to me is a much better player now. than it was in week one. And in week one, he had like a hundred something yards <laughs> and a touchdown. Yeah. I, I, All right. I think that's the matchup to watch. And like Trevor in his career, five career starts against the Colts has put up good numbers, you know, seven touchdowns, one interception, I believe close, like it's over 70% completion percentage. Mm-hmm. He's had good games against the Colts in his career. Off the top of my head, he's had one bad game against the Colts and that was his rookie season, you know, when they went on the road and he, I want to say he had like a strip sack on a potential game winning drive and mm-hmm. Other than that, like he was lights out against the Colts to in 2021. Yeah. He was great against the Colts in two games last year. And then yeah. this year, you know, he obviously found success in week one. So the fact that this is like this is probably the defense he's most familiar with. Mm-hmm. You know, like like it, it's been the same coordinator, same scheme, some different players, but like just in terms of like the defense he's gotten the most reps against that isn't his own defense, it's probably this Colts defense. Cause like Houston's changed schemes in that time. Right. Tennessee too, but I I I think Gus Bradley's scheme is just such so Gus Bradley. <laughs> yeah, the repetitiveness you know makes an impact. So I mean I I do think that's something to watch. Is you know like we're starting to see him now really starting to know defenses because now he's really getting you know experience and starts under his belt and I think he probably knows this defense like the back of his hand. Mm-hmm. We talked about it before the week one season opener the <laughs> quotes that Doug gave about the Colts defense and he was basically saying yeah like they kind of play the structure that they do or they just do what they do and to back that up according to Sports Info Solutions the Colts defense is second in zone use zone coverage rate uh 28th in blitz rate and almost always have four down linemen uh so like Broadway Bradley has done like a decent job like mixing up coverages a little bit more than he did in Jacksonville. And he's had some like nice blitz packages, especially against the Ravens and Lamar Jackson in week three, I think that was. Yeah. So maybe it's not like as basic as Jaguars fans might remember or think, but it definitely still is like it's the Gus Bradley defense, as you said. Yeah. And it, you know, coming into this week, they're 16th in total EPA. So, you know, it's not. It's not a bad defense by any means, you know, especially with like their front seven, in my opinion, has played really well. But yeah, yeah, 16th in EPA, they're 24th in overall success rate. Yeah, so it's not like they're really lighting things up. They're 18th in dropback EPA, they are 20th in dropback success rate, you know, 13th in rushing EPA, and then let's see, they are 19th in rushing EPA. So it's a better run defense than a pass defense. But yeah. overall, they're like they're like a solidly middle of the pack defense, you know. That, it's I have not like Washington, 
Right. I had written down the Colts are top 10 in EPA per play allowed against the run and bottom 10 against the pass. So maybe we found our stats on different websites. But generally speaking, like, yeah, the front seven slash run defense is the strength of the Colts defense. I use secondary and passing defense is their weakness. I use Baldwin site, which is great shot. Great site. Hate the name, but I used a. I, I like that site, but like recently for me, uh, whenever I try to like filter like different things, like if I go over to like rushing success rate and then try to organize it by that column, it just like won't load. So, yeah. So, <laughs> I've no, no. Oh, no, no. You have to like, it does it for me every time. You just have to click update again. But it is for those looking like I try to tweet out the graphs each week. It is rbsdm.com, running backs don't matter.com, yada, yada. <laughs> Make sure you're very careful when you type that in because I once typed in the wrong thing and it, it's just way too close to a dangerous abbreviation for you to put in the Google. I I, I was at like the here. I'm like, no, that's not what I was looking up. I'm, I'm trying to find. All right, fair warning. Fair warning. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> just just be be prepared for that. It, but. We talked about it when we previewed the Colts the first time. The Colts, like, strength in the defense is probably the weakness in the Jaguars' offense. Like, the Forrest Buckner and Grover Stewart are one of the best interior duos. Maybe the best in the NFL. I don't know. Maybe Philadelphia, you can probably yeah like, lump all those guys in together. I'm not sure how many others it's, I would take. Uh, maybe, like, the Giants have a pretty good one. Like, Leonard Williams and Dexter Lawrence. Right. Literally the only two good players on their roster. <laughs> uh, Xavier McKinney. Xavier, okay. Three out of 53. Yeah. Can't see why New York's struggling this season. That yeah. Is, but Forrest and, uh, they're, they're definitely up there. Like top three defensive tackle duo for sure. And, and it's like every time the Jags have played the Colts the last two or three years, like they just get destroyed up the middle. Mm-hmm. And the Jaguars are going to start Tyler Shatley at left guard. I don't expect Walker Little to be back even probably next week on a short week's notice, maybe against Pittsburgh before a bye, but you can probably expect Tyler Shatley to start the next two weeks. And he's, he's probably about like NFL average among like guard play right now. He's probably like on that line, you know, maybe a little bit below, but probably not a ton, but that's still a mismatch. Maybe not as much as a mismatch as Ben Barch against them in week one. Cause like, Especially when Mark's coming off his injury. Exactly. Like that that Tank Bigsby play where they returned it for a touchdown, nobody talked about because of how crazy the Bigsby report was. But Ben Barch is getting destroyed by the Forrest Buck who caused the strip sack. Man, the first half was rough. It felt like he was getting like driven back on every single play regardless of runner pass. Yeah, exactly. And it seems like the Jaguars have tried to – navigate that a little bit but i also think having tyler shatley in there as opposed to having barge or walk a little also maybe changes like some of the things like he, th- they don't ask tyler shatley to get to the edge very much like to the perimeter not a lot of screens his way not a lot of tosses and pulling etc like they do with some of the other guys yeah luke fortner is the one that i think like i i think this has to be luke fortner has to have one of his best games of the season mm, okay because yeah. i it, it's I think it's been shown over the last two weeks that when they can get the running game going, just so much of the passing game depends on getting open looks like in mismatches with guys like Evan Ingram. We saw it last week. They threw the Luke Farrell for two explosive plays. That's because like the running game was really getting him open and they could throw out of 13 and 12 personnel more. So I think to, for the passing game to be at its best, especially against like a really fast and physical front seven and, really fast linebackers who attack the ball, like play actions huge this week, but I'm not sure how effective that can be if the center and left guard are getting blown up every run play. Mm-hmm. Walker Little at left guard was uh, pretty nice to watch last week and like the 11 whole snaps. That it- That's 11 snaps you're going to see, baby. <laughs> yeah. So it'll be uh, nice to see like what his return means for the offense, like right before, right after the bye in terms of like what the Jags are able to do in the run game. And then off of the run game, like because of the upgrade at left guard. Uh, until then, yeah, like Fortner needs to pick up a little bit more slack, um, especially this week against the Colts. Yeah, it, I, I don't know. I like I, I don't like. I think the Fortner take is a good one, but I also like have enough trust in like 
Lawrence plus Ridley plus Kirk against the Colts secondary that like I almost almost think that like the interior offensive line matchup doesn't matter too much so here's my question for you we Kirk was mostly a non-factor in week one and Doug came out and like on record the next week was like yeah when we play zone teams like that's just gonna happen sometimes like Kirk's thrives against man pressure teams and the Colts are the opposite of that kind of team. Yeah. How much of it do you see Kirk having much of an impact this week? I mean, even with like Zay, Zay's probably, I would say Zay's not going to play. So do you think Kirk has I a big Zay week? and Whittle were like officially ruled out earlier today. Is Doug, it Doug basically said they were. I don't think a game uh, size report has came out, but okay. I, I would I would say they're not going to play. Okay. Um. Yeah, I'm trying to pull up Christian Kirk's game logs against the Colts to see like how well he did or didn't do last year. Yeah. Um, Cause that, that to me is like a big reason I think the offense has looked better the last two weeks is because Trevor has done what he's done best, which is spread the ball around. And like when people call quarterbacks facilitators, it seems like it comes across as like an insult, mm-hmm. but it's in his case, like he's like, it's not an insult. He's just, legitimately one of the best, you know, just like point guards at quarterback in the NFL. And I think he's at his best when he's not like really forcing the issue, you know, to your same, you know, token looking up for Kirk, you know, Evan Ingram, three games uh, against the Colts, seven catches, 46 yards, five catches, 40, five catches, 49. It doesn't seem like a big chunk of his production will come this week either. So I, it, it really feels like if anybody is like, you know, listening to this big in fantasy, big in over under props, this is like the Calvin Ridley week. Cause I, I not sure what you're, you know, what, what you pulled up on Kirk, but it doesn't seem like they really get anybody involved against the Colts other than these outside guys. Yeah. He had a pretty good performance last week or last year in week two against the Colts in the like, home opener. He had six catches on six targets for 78 yards and two scores. And he was just, like, schemed up really well by Doug Peterson in that game. Uh, And then four catches for 24 yards and then one catch for nine yards in the past two games against the Colts. So I think, like, Jones being out, like, maybe you see, like, his targets go up a little bit. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. does, I, I'm, I'm with you that it's like I definitely think it's a Ridley week. Does Kirk play outside this week in your opinion? Like much? Obviously he won't if we play. But what do you mean by that? Like, is he going to play? I mean, he's going to be in like he's going to play but, in like twelve. Like you, or, yeah. So like, do we see more snaps from outside? Like in week one, ninety-one point three percent of his snaps were in the slot, and was they hurt in week three? only 59.1% of his snaps were in the slot. Mm. Yeah, I mean, his overall snap rate is going to go up with Jones, like, out of the lineup for sure. Uh, I don't know. Like, I don't think his, like, role is going to change that much. I think he's still going to, like, have a Christian Cole, Christian Kirk, like, role. And, like, maybe they'll, like, get to it a couple different ways. But it's not like, oh, all of a sudden, like, he's, like, asked to run, like, Zay Jones-type routes that – Zay Jones would just be normally running, and then like someone like Agnew comes in for first role. I don't know. I I don't see like a big difference in like how he's deployed. Do do you have your pitchfork and torch ready for when Elijah Cooks is inactive again? <laughs> I, I I've gotten more Elijah Cooks questions this week than anybody will ever get ever. I. <laughs> that's like. Do you think uh, I was? I started to work on like an NFL trade de- deadline primer. Do you think uh, Jacksonville like sending a sixth or seventh round pick somewhere to upgrade their wide receiver four spot makes any sense? Like, given just like mm-hmm. saw, like the impact of like losing Zay Jones. Yeah, so, it's definitely like a little bit of like a Madden like trade where it's just like you're like upping your strengths on paper and on. Actually, like if the people in the building really see that as a need or not, yeah. But so, in the two games as they missed completely, Tim Jones ran 37 routes over two games, and he has 
three catches for 10 yards. I think he had five targets in the two games. Like, actually, it's five targets in the three games. I think he had three targets in those games. So it seems like they just kind of – any receivers after their top four guys, they just, like, don't even really consider it a role. So, I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure that they would I, – I would honestly probably need a name. I, so I was thinking like, Kendrick Bourne, Terrence Marshall from the Panthers – um, hey, Terrence Marshall from the Panthers. Maybe I'll look it up. I feel like I had like one other decent, like, you're, four name. you're a KJ Osborne guy. No, like, I'm not. I'm a, I would cons- definitely consider myself more of an Addison guy. I wrote a like fantasy uh, preview this year and said, like, Addison was like one of my guys just because I yeah. think KJ Osborne is like he's solid, but like. He's one of those guys that's like, he's a good wide receiver three. But if you ask anything more than him out of that, like, you're, you're very brave for liking the first round wide receiver more than KJ Osborne. By the way, the guy that was he was like the fourth receiver taken. That wasn't he? That's insane. I think Quinn Johnson. I think it might have been the second. I think Quinn Johnson was the first. Which mm-hmm. I if if only NFL teams paid me for my opinions, the right ones. They wouldn't make mistakes like that. Tom Telesco's out here drafting like it's 2013. Right. Like it definitely should have been Addison behind JSN. Like no question. So I, I guess Zay being out begs this question. This isn't relevant to this week, but how big of a need is receiver in the offseason, in your opinion? And in, in, in this scenario, they keep Calvin Ridley, whether it's a tag or a like two or three year deal. So say they keep Calvin Ridley, how big of a need is wide receiver to you this offseason? You'll have Jamal you His contract is expiring in 2024. Calvin Ridley's? No, Zay Jones. I think I think 2024, yeah. <laughs> it, it was a three-year deal, so yeah. And then Jamal Agnews expires after this year. Yeah. Uh, it looks like Zay has is under contract for 2024. So because of that. Uh, I wouldn't say it's like a big need. I think like if anything, they do what they did this past off season and like get a day three receiver <laughs> to like kind of like throw in the room and see what happens. <laughs> like they picked a they picked a day three receiver. Parker Watson. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it flew over my head until I said the first name. But yeah, no, yeah. I- like, but, but like to answer your like if Zay wasn't under contract so then i would say like that might be a bigger need than like interior offensive line Ooh. Uh, because like i'm assuming like the jags want to like go into the short-term future but also probably long-term future with like left to right cam robinson walker little luke fortner brandon sheriff anton harrison uh and like sure like it would be nice if the center position was upgraded, but like it's like so much easier said than done. Like, are you really gonna like put significant resources into like upgrading that position rather than just like kind of like yeah. keep going forward with your third round pick who you've kind of like talked up a little bit? Uh I definitely think there would be like more of a move on receiver. Like you would see a different starting receiver would be more likely than seeing a different starting lineman. That's fair. So I guess my question is, it looks like both of us are on the same page. We think the passing offense is in the best place it's been, even with offensive line injuries entering this week. Mm-hmm. We both think it's a big week for Ridley. Is this the week the Jaguars' top five quarterback throws more than one passing touchdown? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'll say it, man. Hot, hot take. Hot uh, take. Trevor Lawrence throws two touchdowns. That's my hot take of the week. It, it is because I was about to rebuttal against it. Like uh, the week two or three, two week week two game last year against the Colts. Like the Jags got out to a little bit of a lead and then like just sort of like stalled in the second half, kind of similar to how they stalled in the second half against the Falcons two weeks ago. Uh, so like I don't know. I could see them like having like two really good scoring drives and then like they're able to just calm down after that. So. That's that's like the path that I see to Lawrence not reaching two touchdowns, basically. Throw the score, run the win. Yeah. Yeah. I, like, I think the um, – I won't get too, too ahead of myself. I was going to spoil the score prediction, but 
it's absurd that they have one of the best quarterbacks on earth and it still feels like he's destined forever to throw like one or two touchdowns a game. <laughs> yeah, I think like the short yardage issues is like I have it here actually the with on designed run plays with three yards or less to go for a first down, the Jags have the fourth worst first down rate and the fifth highest rate of runs where the runner was hit at or behind the line of scrimmage. Gee. So, like, their short yardage game has like continued to be uh, bottom five short yardage run game uh, bottom five last year. I'm pretty sure certainly bottom five this year. So like until that like gets up to league average uh, and like, I guess not just like short yardage specifically, but just like interior runs, you could probably yeah. generalize it like that. Like until like interior runs are like really like kind of like getting a lot of a pretty high success rate and just like kind of keep knocking them off. Then that'll yeah. be, be the biggest thing to help like Lawrence's, touchdown production just like how you talked about how last week against the bills like the running game got some passing game stuff going i i think like the late down offense has been the biggest like story of like their offensive struggles through the first month and so looking at their late down offense through five weeks they're 29th in epa per play 18th in success rate i obviously not ideal numbers but a week ago they were 32nd and 28th so you're at least seeing the arrow starting to trend up some on their late down efficiency. But I, 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 I agree with you. I think you see their numbers, Trevor's numbers specifically explode when their third down offense gets better. Hmm. There you go. Yeah. yeah. So that's anything else on the offense. Like I feel, I know we've talked about like the same few things in a circle, but they literally played this team one. They played them five weeks ago. And two, it's Gus Bradley's defense, man. They're yeah, <laughs> so on. I, I will say, I was very correct in week one when I said my hot take was that Shaq Leonard would be the worst linebacker on the field. When Doug Peterson, Doug Peterson was asked about the Colts' defense this week, he mentioned Zaire Franklin. I didn't, I didn't hear Shaq Leonard mention. <laughs> Justice was right. Washed. There you go. There Washed you go. at, like, what, probably 26 years old, is he? Life of a linebacker. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. On that note, we're going to cut for a break and be right back to preview the Jaguars' defense. I guess I thought in week one, the Jaguars defense played extremely well. Like they, they had a busted, it feels like one, like one play a game. The Jaguars just let a busted big play in the passing game. That just doesn't make any sense. And week one, it was Michael Pittman taking like a third down screen, 30 yards for a touchdown. Otherwise they did really well. You know, I mean, they, they allowed a touchdown to Anthony Richardson on like an RPO, like, type run but i mean he's a freaking nature like when you to me he's like josh allen already to the point where when they get within like the five yard line i'm just assuming it's a touchdown because like he he's just gonna get yeah. you know I, I said like before the week one game like he's cam newton one of my buddies who's a, a auburn graduate like got pissed at me but like i'm sticking on the take like yeah at least it, like within the five yard line well they're going from cam newton to uh who, who, who's to, to you, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> like in terms of like the difference in like physical skill set. So Gardner Minshew makes his return to Jacksonville this week. I can imagine the chip on his shoulder is probably record breaking size because so like everybody saw you know Mia Bryan's locker room interview with Andrew Wingard, where so like for context, Wingard and Minshew were roommates during the first year in Jacksonville, super close friends, absolutely one hundred percent get going to bat for one of your guys. But Wingard at the start of it said like he hated seeing him run out of Jacksonville, which was very curious phrasing to begin with. But I think that's a million percent how Minshew sees the situation. Yeah. I think like maybe Dewey was uh, like more so speaking on like urban and being like, or like, I don't know, just cause like, there's, I only say that cause like there was like the go long, like, story about urban in the offseason and dewey had like a bunch of quotes about it and he just like hasn't been shy about his like disliking meyer so i don't i i, I don't know if that was like almost like more of like a shot at meyer than it was like saying Minshew got right ran out of town i don't know urban meyer was so mean the garden of Minshew that he let him start over trevor lawrence for a month <laughs> <laughs> that jerk. i don't know i was just trying to i guess i was galaxy braining a little bit but no no because I saw other people like have that interpretation and, mm-hmm. but I definitely think like, this is like bulletin 
forward material game, you know, for Minshew. I don't know. Maybe it's because 2019 was such a bland season for the Jaguars that Minshew mania was literally the only exciting thing. Like, so like between the playoff run, so between the start of 2018 to the day they got the number one overall pick, Mm -hmm. he was probably like the most exciting thing for the Jaguars. Easily. However, dude, dude won seven games in two years with the Jaguars. Right. Like he, 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 to me, is an extremely, 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 extremely forgettable tenure. And it, it, it's been kind of wild to me to see, you know, some, some of the reactions both outside, maybe even inside, you know, the building uh, about his return. I mean, it's like, I don't know. They, Chad Henney never started against the Jaguars, but would people have gotten you know this up for a Chad Henney game? Like it would, it would have been the same, yeah. like same thing to me. I think like expectations is like the biggest thing with it because like Gardner is like this kid out of like Washington State across the country who had, like had one good season in college and was a sixth round draft pick, uh, and he got thrust into like week one action after eighty eight million dollar man Nick Foles fractured his clavicle, and then he like makes a bunch of like plays out of structure that are fun and exciting and bring fun and excitement to a team that didn't really have much. Uh, so like from that angle, like I kind of get like Minshew having a chip on his shoulder in the return game to Jacksonville at the same time, like from an, an objective organizational standpoint, like he's a unspecial passer and quarterback. Sorry, Gardner. We have Trevor Lawrence. <laughs> yeah, like, like, literally, like you have like the guy who's been like touted as the best quarterback <laughs> prospect since Andrew Luck and arguably John Elway. And, like, what do they want them to do? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I um, like the fact that like Urban like kept him around for so long and like I like so that's that's why I thought like Dewey might have been getting a wink. That, that that's um, fair. So maybe maybe kept him hostage is a better uses of term and ran him out yeah yeah so i mean so now that all that said mm-hmm. um like it's just it's in the jaguars blood to let a middling backup former quarterback have a great game against them like it's just ingrained in their dna what are your expectations for Minshew this uh i think like it's gonna look like a lot like the Falcons game in terms of a defensive game plan from the Jaguars where they're going to be aggressive, stack the box, play one high, uh, press receivers, get like stop the run game, which is like critical or like their main objective in any game, but especially like against these uh, lesser quarterbacks basically with that don't really have like the arm strength to be like Josh Allen did last week to be able to like be the secondary, uh, yeah, I, I think I, I am – like, I know we're talking about quarterbacks, but I'm more so interested to see, like, the running back difference between – because the Colts are going to have Zach Moss and Jonathan Taylor this week instead of Deion Jackson starting for them at running back. And Jackson had 13 carries for 14 yards and two lost fumbles in week one. He was so I, Yeah, I, I feel bad for him because he was, like, put in a tough spot in week one. But, like, yeah, that was brutal. Um, it was one of the worst performances I think any players have this year, like in general. <laughs> he legitimately was a major reason they lost that game. Right. So I I think Minshew's going to get like bottled up. Uh, my prop lock of the week actually is his under for passing yards because like I think he could like complete a decent amount of passes, but they're all going to be like two yard bootlegs in my vision at least. Like I don't really see him completing like more than two or three passes, like, or even one or two passes over 10 yards downfield. Uh, so, like, but with the running backs, I think if the running backs actually, like, make a pretty sizable difference and Indianapolis is able to get success on with their ground game, then you could see, like, Minshew having a little bit more success with the passing game. Uh, so, like, that's a path I see to him having, like, a good revenge game. But my expectations are that the, like, new running backs for Indianapolis aren't going to make a significant defense and the Jags defense or is not going to make a significant difference and the Jags defense uh, are going to be able to like pretty much suffocate the Colts offense. Oh, hundred percent. So among quarterbacks are at least 50 dropbacks. The only quarterbacks with a lower average depth of target this year are Daniel Jones, Aiden O'Connell and Bryce Young. Like Minshew's 
ADOT is like right up there with Joe Burrows. So like it's literally tied. So you're going to see the Colts like try to get the ball out of his hand really quickly. He's bottom 10 in big time throw percentage, middle of the pack in turnover worthy play percentage. He just like their offense hasn't really gotten off schedule with him in, but I feel like he hasn't really like made any difference. And just to me, like if I'm a Jaguars defender, I'm breathing a big sigh of relief that he's starting instead of Richardson. And it has nothing to do with his ability as a quarterback. It's just the quarterback runs, the RPO game that Richardson brings to the table. He just can – like you just have to think, in my opinion, think so much more when Richardson's that quarterback yeah. as opposed to when Minshew's that quarterback. So I'm interested to see how the Jaguars defense plays when they can really kind of just pin their ears back and just – play and think less because I mean Richardson in week one like for as good as the defense was I thought he did a good job of making them kind of play on their heels and maybe play a bit more reactively like you remember the Josh Downs explosive catch against Andre Sisko in the slot that was an RPO that mm-hmm. that to me was like a perfect example and you're just you're not going to see them run the same offensive program this year. yeah the the Colts do rank first in RPO usage this year and fifth in screen usage this year um, and like those could like dip or change a little bit because Richardson is out, but like they're still running a lot of RPOs and a lot of screen passes. Uh, and so like, I think you said it's going to be a big Luke Fortner week on offense. I think it's a really big Devin Lloyd week on defense because he's coming back from injury. And I just think that like going along with like what you said about like the defense being able to think a little bit faster or not have as much to worry about since Richardson and his, like, great rushing ability aren't going to be in this game. Uh, but I, I still think, like, Devin Lloyd especially uh, needs to, like, still think somewhat quickly because of all of, like, the RPOs and the screens and, like, quick concepts that the Colts do still run. Oh, no, 100%. 100%. And it in terms of, like, play actions and screens, like, Minshew has 19 of his total dropbacks have been those. He's 13 out of 17 for 157 yards, 76 and a half completion percentage. So he's been fairly efficient and he's actually, his completion percentage on play action is 20 points higher than Anthony Richardson. So it, he's always been a like really good play action quarterback. I'll and, that. and I think that's probably their game plan this week is get the ball out of his hand quick in normal passing situations. And then, lean on the running game some and try to get play action going. But I think that's where the Jaguars defense kind of thrives (laughs) against like those kind of offenses. Like I think where they would struggle is against offenses like who are willing to spread it out and throw it 40 something times a game, just because I don't think they really have the the front to deal with that. But against a team who wants to lean on the run and stuff and play action, I think they have that front. Uh, To me, they've been a dominant you know, run defense. They're number four in run EPA and success rate. And they've played some good running teams too. You know, it's not yeah. like it's not like they're playing, you know, nobody. It's like Buffalo had a good rushing offense coming into it. Obviously, Bijan, you know, uh, Houston doesn't have a NFL quality starting running back, but <laughs> their running game is a big part of what they do. I think the Jaguars have so far been able to, you know, slow down offenses like this. Like, the offense that they're going to run, I think, the Colts are going to run, I think will mostly resemble what you saw Houston run in week three. And I know Houston scored 30 points on the Jaguars' defense, but to me, take away the two Tank Dell miscommunication merchant catches. and Jack- Miscommunication merchant? Yeah, that's right. Dude. That's good. <laughs> I saw a – 2023 redraft, which is an asinine thing to do five weeks in the season or however many weeks it was. And he was like a top 15 pick or something. <laughs> like, no. Watch the games. Oh, man. Yeah. So I, communication merchant's good. I, so I think, like, what the Texans try to do on offense is probably what you see this week, like getting the ball out of the hands quickly, a lot of play action. And I, I think as long as the Jaguars don't have those mix-ups in the back end, they should be relatively fine. Yeah, I think, like, if they take away the first read from Minshew and then force Minshew to kind of, like, get, get into, like, his little, like, panic mode and skitter-scatter around the pocket, uh, like, that's kind of a key to victory for them just because Minshew has always been, like, pretty good at, like, hitting his first read. Like, if the uh, – he's, like, a 
smart quarterback, a big reason that he was like drafted and got a chance to play. For sure. Uh, so, like he does a pretty decent job of diagnosing coverages. Uh, so then when he like gets it right and then the first read is right, then he's able to hit it. Uh, but then like if he misdiagnoses the coverage or if he gets it right, but then like the receiver first read still isn't uh, open, like as soon as he has to move on to the second read, it's usually trouble. So uh, a good stat for the run uh, game is the Colts are – sorry. Colts are third in usage of zone run schemes this year, so they're very zone-heavy on the ground. Uh, the Jags are top three in yards per play allowed, EPA per play, EPA per play allowed, and stuffed run rate versus zone runs. Oh, I like that. That's a good so, That's a good pool. Look at oh, you. They're they're the Jags are like pretty well suited to like beat this Colts team just between yeah. like their run defense being good against the Colts run offense and then like them having like a suffocating pass defense versus like uh quarterback who doesn't like have enough arm talent to be able to like win in a lot of ways. And then like going back to the offense, Trevor Lawrence plus Calvin Ridley versus two undrafted rookie cornerbacks. It's pretty nice setup. I think, like, on the outside, the Jaguars have the advantage, too. Like, Tyson's always done a good job against Michael Pittman. Like, he's literally, like, the type of receiver he throws against. Yeah. Michael Pittman, to like, to me, is, like, a strong two on a good offense. I think any offense with him as a one doesn't really scare you. Alec Pierce, like, you look at literally every receiver, like, graph come out in terms of separation data and yards at the catch and catch point. He's literally always in the bottom up. I'm gonna take the L on that. I thought Alec Pierce was gonna be a good player. And yeah, the- I was gonna like. He's terrible. I didn't have like a strong take about him, but I I genuinely like liked him more than I disliked him coming into I, the class. I think I remember saying I would approve of the Jaguars taking him with our second round pick that year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he did end up going in the second to the Colts, right? Yeah, he did. He did. So it, between him and Christian Watson, it's some go college go route merchants. People need to <laughs> people need to wake up. Wake up, sheeple. <laughs> Before we get into game predictions, I figure while we're on the defense, we might as well get into this. Big story yesterday. Darren Wolfson in Minnesota. So, like, I saw some people skeptical, like, wondering how credible is the source. Let me start by going. So, I've been covering the Jacks since 2019, but I've been following, like, closely, like, different beats and media members for the last decade at least. Darren Wolfson is – the Minnesota sports guy. Like there is no, like not even Minnesota Vikings, like Minnesota sports. If he told me the twins are moving to Japan tomorrow, I would believe him. Like, so when he says the Jaguars have all sorts of interest in Daniel Hunter, I believe him. I, I, I do. So he came out with that report yesterday saying the Jags have all short sorts of interest in him. He said that the Jaguars also talked to the Vikings in the off season, which I don't know if you remember, there was a lot of smoke locally. You know, yeah, about, about that, and not just like fans, like not, yeah, and not just fans speculating, like legitimate talk among like circle, like connected circles, people who would know in the offseason about the Jaguars having interest in him. It, I would imagine, like any like trade the Vikings do wouldn't. What? What's that? I'm just, I'm just like seeing you like thinking of like what this trade is gonna look like. It was funny. Huh? Yeah, no, I, I would imagine any trade if it happened wouldn't be until, like, literally the deadline because, like, the Vikings have, like, two or three more games to lot of themselves that this season can be turned around. I They played the Bears in one of those games, which, I don't know, it's probably 50-50. They played the 49ers in another, which will be a bloodbath. Mm-hmm. So I think they're going to be sellers at the deadline. It really just comes down to – so if you're Jacksonville, what are you offering? They have projected between 10 and 12 picks in next year's draft because they're getting three comp picks. Their second, third, and fourth round picks right now, they can't move because of Calvin. However, Stephen A. Smith, <laughs> they're getting a third round pick for Jawan. So, like, you can, in my opinion, you can trade your third now and stomach it because you know you're going to get one back after the season. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, no, you can't. You can't trade it, actually, because it's tied up to Calvin Ridley. So, take that back. Yeah, so, no. So, it would take – like a good amount of late round picks, maybe if I think maybe a future second or so, like maybe a day three pick in a future second, kind of like for Calvin. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, but, I think that makes a lot of sense because I don't, I don't think you can like 
I think there's going to – I think, like, Daniel Hunter will be traded at the deadline. Yeah. Probably not sooner because I think, like, the contract, like, extension or, like, renegotiation that he signed a few months ago kept him in Minnesota for this year. Yeah. Uh, but then he's an unrestricted free agent next offseason, and the Vikings can't tag him. And at this point, like, it doesn't look like the Vikings are making the playoffs. So, it like, it definitely makes a lot of sense for the Vikings to move Hunter to the highest bidder. And I don't think the Jaguars would have a chance to be the highest bidder if they just, like, sent a bunch of, like, late, uh, like, after the fourth round picks from 2024. So I think it's going to be, like, a 2020, 2024 fourth and a 2025 third. Mm. I think in a, a third and a fourth might get it done. I'd, I'd be, like, eh, maybe not. Maybe I, fourth. Hunter's really good, even if, like, the Vikings don't have a ton of leverage with his contracts. Like, that's a legit edge rusher. Yeah, so, like, the Jags have a fourth from the Saints that they could send this year. So, I don't know. Do you think a fourth this year and a conditional second next year would get it done? I think Questing would take that. Like, he's, yeah. like, analytically minded. Like, he's not a, a pure football guy, you know? Like, he's – He's not going to look at Denny, in my opinion. I hate, I, I'll say, I hate his name. I'll say that right now. I hate, I hate the spelling. <laughs> I keep wanting to call him Danielle Hunter. Yeah. Daniel so, Hunter? No, yeah. Danielle Hunter. I keep wanting to call him Danielle Hunter. Yeah. 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 You keep wanting to call him Daniel? Danielle. Danielle instead of Daniel. It's Daniel. Daniel. Yeah. See, you hate it. <laughs> yeah. See? <laughs> exactly. I definitely so, said Danielle or something wrong earlier. Yeah. So, like, I don't think he'll be one of those guys with like a furrow brow being like, no, I'm not trading to Neil Hunter for anything less than the first round pick. Like I think he'd be open to maybe taking a bit of a loss in the immediate at, and getting some picks in the future. So, okay. Yeah. Your trip. So your trip bulky in the scenario, bulky ball masterclass. He tells you a fourth round pick this year and a second round pick next year gets it done. What do you do? And when I say you're Trent Balky, don't let any don't let any of Trent Balky's biases creep into it. Just hey, would you do that deal if you're a GM or if you're the Jaguars GM, or do you walk away? Yeah, I say yes because like now, even though I said like a third and a fourth earlier, and then I like had to talk myself into a second and fourth, like, and even though like the Vikings are, I feel like clearly going to trade them. Like to add to your like thing about them wanting to add picks, like I feel like they're like. Off their organizational strategy is Justin Jefferson and a shiny new quarterback. Yeah. And like, I don't know if Kirk Cousins will get moved at the deadline, but I feel like there's a decent chance that well, Vikings are going to like want to like acquire draft capital so that they can be able to move up for their future quarterback in next year's draft if they want slash need to. Uh, and like, just like a second and a fourth for. Uh, edge rusher who's like consistently been top 10 in like pressures and sacks and like any metric you want to use uh like he has had like some health concerns but uh, i think he played like a full year last year and this year so like at this point like i wouldn't say he's uh injury riddled or anything like that so just generally speaking like for a player of his caliber and production and experience like you say yes to a second and a fourth immediately probably I think so too. So, like, just looking like at his talent compared to what the Jags have now. So, among according to PFF, there's 107 edge rushers with at least 50 pass rush reps this year. Josh Allen's 28th in win rate, Trayvon Walker's 60th in win rate, and Chason is 99th in win rate. Then you know you go ahead and look at Daniel Daniel Hunter. God, I hate that. So he he's 25th in pressures. I think he has two fewer pressures than Josh Allen. Only 63rd in win rate, but he's first in sack. So I think you're hoping his pass production is what you get instead of this year's production. Let me ask you another question. Would trading for him be conceding defeat on the Trayvon Walker pick? I think it would be conceding defeat on their plan for him to turn him into a full-time edge rusher and like have them just eventually – turn into the superstar because of all the raw tools. So I think like it would be a failure of that plan, but I think like of the pick and of the player, it's not a failure. Like 
honestly, like I think that. So I, like, think the, I don't. I think the Jags defense is no nowhere near as good as they are currently. If they had taken Aiden Hutchinson over Trayvon Walker, because like so you think, I, you think the defense is worse if they took Hutch? Yes. Ooh. Yeah. Because like, that on the board. It's just that like I like. The whole Mike Caldwell's like philosophy is like stop the run on early downs so that like we can like have an easier time on late downs and like Trayvon is just like such an integral part of like what they do on early downs and like I get that like the pass rush concern is like it's a real concern and it's fair uh, but like he's he's still like carrying his weight in the run game and uh, doing like enough I. I don't even know if I can say that. But yeah. <laughs> he, also, like, he also did get moved to full-time edge after, like, moving across the defensive line at Georgia. So, like, no one – like, yeah, sure, it's a little bit disappointing for a first-round pick, but it's not entirely shocking either. So, he, here's my thing. So, ultimately, if I had to make a guess today, I don't think a trade happens. I think that they say, we're getting Smoot back, we're getting Devon Hamilton back, I would guess you. I would guess you see Hamilton make his debut after the bye against the San Francisco 49ers. Like, <clears throat> sorry. Like, hey, welcome back. Here's the best offense in the NFL. But so I think they're going to look at it like that and say we're getting guys back. But I also, just the way I've learned in my career that GMs think, I think it would be them making that trade would be bulky, publicly admitting he, Trayvon is not the pass rusher I thought he was when we picked him number one overall and hasn't developed yet. And GMs, basically every move they make is, no matter what they say, if it's 14, whatever, to me, it's for self-preservation and yeah. job security. Yeah. So if you're Trent Balking, you make that trade, what do you do when Shotgun asks you, like, wait, why are we dealing a future second? I thought we took a pass rusher number one overall. And that's why I think it doesn't happen. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, like all the off-season reports – from the Jaguars about like the guys they were bringing in like a Jadavion Clowney, a Yannick Ngagwe, like a Calais Campbell. It was very clear that the team's message to them was like we could use a little bit of depth, but like that's what you're signing here for is to be a depth piece and not to not be a starter because we have two edge starters. Uh so like I think that like yeah carries over and kind of combines with what you said. I have the best Trayvon take. You ready for it? <laughs> Better than mine? <laughs> that was a good one. Are you ready? Yeah. They think they have Aldon Smith, but they have Justin Smith. They think they have Alden Smith. But, but they, they have Justin Smith. Smith. Who's Justin Smith? Get the hell out of here. Justin Smith? Dude, how young are you? Like an NPC name. How young oh, are this you? this guy. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I forgot about this guy. Literally was setting the picks for Al Donna like every sack. Am I wrong? No. Yeah, no. Yeah. Like, I I think if you use, like, Trayvon, like, like he should be used, I think he could be a Justin Smith. Like, okay, here's another. Do you have any idea who Trevor Price is? Trevor Price? I hate you. I hate you so much. Read a book. (laughs) Read a book. (laughs) (laughs) Really good interior lineman. For Baltimore and Denver in the 2000s. 1990s. Oh, God. So, (laughs) I think, like, if you get a guy like Daniil Hunter, then you can let Trayvon be Justin Smith, be Trevor Price. And then I think that's when the critics would shut up. But I I just don't think we get there. So, before we get into our predictions, scale of 1 to 10, 1 being – better chance that they trade for you than for him, 10 being a trade happens tomorrow. How likely do you think a trade happens for Daniel Hunter to the Jaguars by Halloween? Mm, I would say, like, so your scale is one is – They trade for you. One is they trade for me. Yeah. Ten. Ten is super likely, and they're definitely doing it. Ten is they're doing it. Not super likely. Ten is they are doing it. I would say, like – don't say it. Don't say it. Four? That's what I was going to say. Uh, <laughs> I was between three and four because it's like you just made like a really, really good argument about like just not just Balky, but like general managers in general. Like every yeah. single move is like with job security in mind first. Yeah. Um, 
And so like, I do like get what you're saying in terms of like what that move would say in terms of Trayvon Walker, but you also like built out the case for like why the trade would make sense. Cause like then like Walker would do like what he would be best at. Uh, yeah. But like, it's like the Minnesota reporters, like what takes me from like uh one or two to a three or four. Is of with. You guys, of with, yeah. That guy is like a lot reliable. And so the fact that they, the Jags had interest like recently, but then also in the off season, like, it's at least something real. Yeah. So the fact that they're at least sniffing around means there's something tangible there. And you made a good point. Like my take wasn't bulky specific. It was like all general. It's every general yeah, exactly. Exactly. So that was a, that was a good productive discussion. Look at us. We can, <laughs> we, we, we still got it. Yeah, that, was, that was nice. Yeah. There we go. All right. We're going to break real quick and come back for our predictions. All right, guys. We just heard you say the Jaguars are trading for Daniel Hunter. <laughs> what other predictions do you got for us? <laughs> uh, well, you want to do – let's do props first for the game. Let's, let's do it. I said earlier that my lock of the week is Minshew under passing yards. I could see him getting a decent amount of completions, especially off play action if the Colts are uh, doing okay with their run game. But, like – I just don't see a lot of downfield attempts or completions from Minshew, so I'm pretty comfortable with his underpassing yards, uh, which I don't know if it's off, off the top of my head. I wrote, wrote down Minshew underpassing yards before the line even came out. Uh, and then uh, Josh Downs over is enticing to me. I also kind of like Jonathan Taylor and – Zach, maybe a Zach Moss under rushing yards, I think is my last one. My hot take was that you're going to see Zach Moss find the end zone more than Jonathan Taylor this week. Oh, yeah. Which I, I, the Zach Moss thing is such an amazing bit to me. He, <laughs> one of the worst running backs efficiency wise in the entire NFL throughout his entire career. And now he is the nerds running back. <laughs> I wonder if it's like just like pure scheme because like Buffalo has like an interesting. Run- run game but it's like hasn't really been like well blocked until like this year now it's being like decently blocked so i wonder if just like i don't know it just like was a better like scheme fit i feel like the bills probably have like a super high shotgun rate actually the cold stuff man that's a high shotgun rate too so yeah i don't know what it is but i i just have heard like a couple of quotes from steichen this week uh the colts head coach saying that like jonathan taylor is going to get a lot closer to a full workload his first game of the year was last week, and that was his first game in, like, almost a year. Uh, so I, I don't think he'll get – I guess I'd be a little bit surprised if Jonathan Taylor reached 20 touches, but I would expect him to get more touches than Zach Moss. And so I just don't think there's going to be enough, like, volume for Zach Moss to reach whatever his rushing yards is. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's fair. That's fair. And I think – like a big thing, you know, really with it is also like game script dependent. Like if you see the Jaguars like start out hot, then obviously you're going to see the Colts, you know, come out with a different strategy than, you know, they otherwise would have. Cause I'm sure the Colts would love to just, you know, pound away with Taylor. So Taylor didn't play in week six last year and week one, nine carries 54 yards and, there, the Jags win against them in 2021, 15 carries for 77 yards. Like in his career, he averages 6.21 yards per carry against the Jags. Like he had that one game in 2020 where he had 253 yards and two touchdowns. So <laughs> I feel like like this Jaguars defense, like obviously only one game sample size, did a good job against him last year, mm-hmm. and I feel like they're definitely suited to do the same. But I don't know it. It it would make sense to it if you, your team has an injured player and the Jaguars are on your schedule, he will return that week. An injured star player, an injured star player. The Jaguars have seen Chris Jones and George Kittle come back. They saw <laughs> Von Miller come back. Yeah, now you know Jonathan Taylor. Like they are the team that dudes are making their comebacks against. <laughs> Calvin Ridley, my lock of the week, 60 and a half receiving yards. I'm putting on my guest hat. He pound the over, man. That, that's that's my lock of the week. Yeah. I'm sorry for anybody who lost money on Rayshon tackles last week. I said <laughs> <five and> four. <laughs> um, 
Christian Kirk, yeah, I don't think it's in a bad way at all, but Rayshon's been a lot quieter this season. Yeah, for sure. And I thought last week was his best game too. So Mm -hmm. definitely. Christian Kirk actually has a higher receiving prop on prize picks and Ridley this week. 62 and a half receiving yards. Yeah, I'm going to go under on that. Evan Ingram, four and a half receptions. I'm going over. I feel like he'll catch five or six. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I, I like going Evan's receptions instead of yards there. Yeah. Travis Etienne, 20 and a half receiving yards. Oh, I like that. I meant to write that one down. I like Etienne's over. I do too. Actually, what I've been doing is a lot of like Travis Etienne rushing plus receiving yards because yeah. then, like, I don't get like game scripted out of it if the Jags are up or down by a lot. Like, because I bet I lost some kind of Etienne bet against the Chiefs in week two. Uh, so I like, I like eat his over for receiving, but I'll, I would personally recommend like over rushing plus receiving yards. That's a good, that's a good call. All right, game prediction. I'll go ahead and get mine first. I've picked against the Jaguars two weeks in a row. Oh and two. Um, <laughs> if they lose this week, it's legitimately because of me, and I will dictate the rest of their season. And I will dictate it the way I want. I got Jags thirty, Colts thirteen. Woo! I, We're the only way to me the Jags lose this game or the only way this game is close is if they sleepwalk through the first half because it's their post-London game, which happened last year against the Raiders. They went down 17-0 against a bad Raiders team because it was clear. It looked like they had like literally just gone off the plane from London. That, to me, is literally the only factor I see in the Colts winning this game. I just think the Jaguars are too good of a matchup against this specific Colts team. So I got the Jaguars spanking them. Gardner Minshew gets a lot of cheers for a 13-point offense output, just like most of his other starts in Jacksonville. That's what I got. I got 20 uh, Jags 23, Colts 13. Ooh, so, like, pretty much the same thing, except I'm expecting one less touchdown from the Jags. And I would say the reason is, like, I had the, like, London, like, rest thing in the back of my head. But then also, like, what I was saying earlier, like, what they did, uh, against the Colts last year in week two, and then against the Falcons in week three. It's just like once they get out to an early lead, like they're like, I feel like they're almost going to be like just trying to get to next week more than yeah. anything else. Uh, so, like, I, I certainly like see 30 points in their like range of outcomes and would not be surprised at all. I just think that like they'll be able to get out to an early lead and then like maintain efficiency, but then like end up not having like a crazy day on the scoreboard. Yeah, that's that's a good take, I, which I could also completely see. But, I mean, it feels like we both think it'll be a decisive win. And, like, it has to be. Like, this – Yeah. The Bills game felt bigger because it's the Bills. This game is immensely more important. <laughs> it feels like every single week, like, it's like this NFL, is the baby. week. Yeah. And, like, you're right. That is just how the NFL works. But that was definitely the feeling I got, I got this week, too, because, like, Last week before the Bills game, I had like a whole spiel about how it was like the most important and more important than the Chiefs. And I'm with you right now this week. Like this somehow feels more important. Did did you see one person theorizing that the Jaguars specifically picked for the Colts to be their post London game because they have a home win streak against them? (laughs) (laughs) That's some good takesmanship. That that's the kind of take I want to see you develop. Yeah, that's good. I gotta I, I do need to have my take. <laughs> I forgot about that. That's a beautiful take. All right. <laughs> Gus, you got anything else for us before you uh, go celebrate your loved one after an hour of talking about Gardner Minshew? No, I got a, I got a surprise party plan. Surprise Friday the 13th birthday party. It's going to be a lot. Well, so. Luckily, no significant other in anywhere in football listens to podcasts. So she won't know about it. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm John Shipley, my co-host Gus Slug. We'll be back on Monday. <laughs> I hate Mondays. <laughs> I hate them. I hate them, Gus. I hate them. But I do like I do like the pivot. I hope you guys have been enjoying our two episodes per week. I've enjoyed it. Gus, we'll be back for episode 61 on Monday. Episode 61. Ooh, All right, real quick before we go. Oh. So the Patriots are at 55 points. We'll be at episode 61. Do the Patriots have more points than episodes by us when we record on Monday? Who are they playing this week? You know, sorry, Red. Mm, no, I don't know off the top of my head. Let me look. I'm also not sure how much it matters, but so you're asking me whether or not the Patriots are going to score 
over under six points this week against the Raiders. Correct. Where, ooh, where is it? A little Josh McDaniels and Jacoby Vegas. Revenge game is crinkled in Vegas. Ah, it's in Vegas. Yeah, yeah. No, nah, I like the Pats. The Pats are in a good pile oh. spot. Everyone okay, you. you're you're a Bulls apologist. A who apologist? Bulls. Uh, no. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you. We love Mac Jones because he played for Bulls. I get it. Nah, I get it. I'm that's what, that's I, where we're gonna end up. I'm not I even gonna let you finish. Like maybe more than most like non-Patriots fans. Maybe that's it. And I like. He's not done in New England. Come on, come on. I would not be close to firing him. I would like maybe like give him like less GM control and like make sure like someone else hires an offensive coordinator. Maybe, but like. I'm not kicking him out of the building until he retires himself. Okay, Corky Rogers. All right. On that note, Gus and I will be back on Monday.